0: This week's show is supported by BiteAway, the fast and reliable way to deal with insect bites and stings. BiteAway is a state-of-the-art battery-operated device that uses concentrated heat directly onto bites and stings to treat pain, itching and swelling. Just press your BiteAway, which is about the size of a chunky marker pen, Onto the spot where you've been bitten by a mosquito or stung by a bee or wasp, whatever it may be, press the button and the heat acts quickly to stop the itching and start to bring down the swelling. You can use BiteAway up to five times an hour on the same spot of skin, just leave at least two minutes between applications. It's great for the whole family to use and it's suitable for allergy sufferers and children They can use it unsupervised from the age of 12, and you can use it during pregnancy too. I've been using BiteAway for about a year now, and it really works. BiteAway is compact enough to stick in your first aid kit when travelling, or maybe you'll be putting it in your pocket when you're working in the garden or hiking. And with around 300 applications before you need to change the batteries, it's the perfect no-hassle solution to insect bites and stings. BiteAway is available from Amazon for £29.95 or from your local high street pharmacy. Find out more at mybiteaway.co.uk. That's mybiteaway.co.uk. The Ledge podcast is on a journey to houseplant fabulousness. Hello and welcome to On The Ledge. I am your host Jane Perrone and this week I actually got to leave the house. Yay! I am out of Covid isolation and Negative. Thank you, science and double jabs. I have been to visit Tony LeBritton, a.k.a. Not Another Jungle, to bathe myself in a houseplant collection that may well make you go weak at the knees. And I answer a question about a bare naked hoya stem. Important on the ledge news coming up. This is your five second warning. Important on the ledge news. <laughs> I am going to be taking a break over the summer for six weeks. The reason for that is that I have a book to write. I am very much aware that I have 700 plus people who are all pledged to support Legends of the Leaf, my houseplant book, and are waiting eagerly for it to be published. And so I really need some time to crack on with the manuscript. My illustrator Helen Entwistle is working super hard on the illustrations and I need to get on with the manuscript and making a weekly podcast while my children are on summer holidays means that there's just not enough time in the week. So there's going to be an episode next week, that's July the 16th, and the following week, July the 23rd. Then there will be no more episodes from then until September the 10th. That is my plan at the moment. I hope that I can stick to it and come back to you in September with new episodes. What does that mean if you are a Patreon subscriber? What it means is that I'm going to pause payments for the month of August. Because there will be no episodes coming out that month for the months of July and September, I will be putting out my usual two extra leaf episodes, plus hopefully a few extras to make up for the fact that there's no main show over that period. If you've paid on an annual basis for your Patreon, one month will be added on to your subscription. Uh, I'm going to send a message out to all my Patreon subscribers just to explain that. So do look out for that message. I'm uh, sorry that I'm going to have to leave you all for such a long period of weeks. But as I say, I need to get this book written. It's really important to me that it's good quality. And so that's what I'm planning to do. You can keep in touch with me over that time on social media. I will attempt to be around on social media and I will still be hosting Houseplant Hour over on Twitter at Houseplant Hour. So I won't disappear from your life entirely. And do remember, there's a whole back catalogue of over 190 episodes to listen to. And you can check out the thematic guide to episodes, which is available on the front of my website if you want to check out old episodes or look for a particular topic. So I'm really sorry if that's a disappointment that you're not going to be getting episodes over that six week period, but I hope you understand the reasons why. Thank you very much to Kaito Kaido from Australia for leaving a lovely review for On The Ledge and also MZelena98 from the US who also left a delightful review for the show. And Thank you to new Patreon subscribers, Stacey, Canaru, and Nathan became legends and Lena and Sally became crazy plant people. I had an email from Robert who got in touch about episode 165, my Leaf Shine episode. And as well as making some very lovely comments about me, which are always welcome. Uh, he also came forth with a suggestion for dealing with dusty leaves on really large plants. Now, Robert has a large monster, which has unfortunately got spider mites or suspected spider mites. This plant's seven feet tall, so he didn't really feel like moving it outside, especially as it was planted into a large cement pot. Man, that's going to be heavy. So instead, Robert tarped off the carpet and walls and drenched the tops and the bottoms of the leaves with insecticidal soap to treat those spider mites and he reports that the next day when the dripping had stopped and the liquid evaporated I was treated to a most welcome sight my huge plant no longer looked dirty and neglected but rather appeared as if each leaf had been wiped by hand and sprayed with a satiny shine I was surprised by the effectiveness of the dripped-off solution since film dust and a bit of greasiness from cooking often take quite a bit of effort to remove I can't promise identical results if listeners plants are truly grimy or spotted with insecticide or hard water residue. But for this hobbyist, it felt as if I'd won a small lottery. I used the Safer's brand of soap, but I imagine any other would do the same job. Well, thank you for that, Robert. I love the idea of you tarping off the carpet and walls. I think I probably watched too many crime dramas because that just reminds me of some kind of horrific uh, murder. But anyway, (laughs) Um, I can see why you did that because it can make quite a mess when you're spraying the insecticidal soap around but a great solution for your spider mites and also for shining up those leaves so thank you for sharing that Robert Today, yes today, I'm turning round the episode that fast, I went to visit Tony Britton, aka Not Another Jungle. Here's what happened. Tony LeBriton, we're here in your house. I'm slightly in shock here because it's been a while setting this up because of Covid etc but we're here in your plant-filled home. I've met your two wonderful dogs. This could turn into a dog podcast (laughs) at any time, but that's okay. Um, We are here in your wonderful home in Northamptonshire, and this is a bit of a shock for me because, as listeners will know, Aroids ain't my strong suit, (laughs) but I'm loving your collection. And we've already been inside your greenhouse. We're going to take listeners inside your greenhouse and around your collection. Um, I just want to know, really, where... How did this happen, Tony? <laughs> <I> don't, you <laughs> you know. don't look old enough. You so, don't look old enough to have a successful career as a photographer have and have a good doctor. This huge, <laughs> <laughs> this huge collection of rare aroids.
1: Um, so you know, the passion for plants was was just that. It was it was all plants for such a long time. I grew up with my grandparents, and as many people, you know, many people were inspired by their grandparents or their parents, and I was really lucky that. My granddad was really passionate about growing vegetables and my nana was really passionate about growing flowers. So I spent my childhoods strapped to a chair before I could stand up on my own so I could be at the bench and have my fingers in the compost and help my nana plant seeds. And I've always just had a passion for plants. It was never really anything specific. And I think if you love plants, you find a way to have them. And through the years, I've had different things. I had my first allotment when I was 10 years old. I got it as my Christmas present for my parents. (laughs) Because the only way you could actually skip the waiting list was to buy a shed or a greenhouse that was already on an allotment. So they bought me this shed and greenhouse for, for Christmas. And I think that is where the fascination with the heat and humidity started. I had a little paraffin heater... And I used to love to grow all my vegetables and plants like in the middle of winter, stepping from outside into that, when you just get hit with that wall of heat. And every time I go into my greenhouse now, that's what it makes me think of, like right back then, or even younger, my Nana's utility room, where she used to lock herself away to do all her propagating. Um, and the first collection I had was quite a few years ago. I'm quite a collector. I like to, st- like to collect specific things. I used to have coins and all different things, and the first one was orchids, and that just literally started by picking up cheap orchids. My nana loved orchids, so I used to buy her them as a kid and take them to her. And then when I got my own place, that was when the danger. <laughs> <laughs> that was when the danger really started. Um, I shouldn't be given my own bank account or money or space <laughs> or anything. I shouldn't be allowed it because my obsessive personality takes over and I end up having over 100 orchids in a very short space of time. Started with just really generic things and then I ended up finding out about the species Phalaenopsis and different things and collected those. And then I moved out to Asia just like just total random I'm moving to Asia kind of thing dropped my job and I think that is where the passion for the jungle type really lush green and huge plants started and when I got back I moved into a house which had a beautiful garden so my passion for plants was fulfilled in the garden and I had, always had house plants but they just, I lived in a medieval cottage, it had terrible light, I had for instance I had my massive Tradescantia in there that's where it started life and it was a decent size But then when I moved to my flat that everyone knows because that's when I started the Instagram for a lot of people that's when I started Plants Um, but that flat I was originally looking for a house with a garden and I couldn't find one that I liked so I said to the estate agent just find me a house that I can grow plants in and they couldn't get one with outside space so I found one where I could just bring a garden inside and with that Roof light over the top, plants just absolutely thrived. Um, And then a number of things happened. Um, At the start of last year, my Nana passed away, and because plants were such a big thing between us, it was just a really nice way to just, you know, bring something positive out of such a horrible situation. And then lockdown happened <laughs> and, you know, it just evolved. It just exploded. And the plants just, you know, I just took my time and I, I was locked in a house. So many of us were we literally <laughs> locked in a house. I didn't have any outside space. So I just let the passion take over and I grew what plants I had to massive sizes. I started swapping I had no idea the plant community existed. No idea. And I just started swapping with people. And then I started to realise, you know, we had access to all of these incredible rare plants and rare versions of things that we already have. And, you know, that snowballed and to the point I put a greenhouse in my spare bedroom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was there any point in that process where you, you sort of stopped yourself and thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> or did you
1: just let yourself run wild? No, I just let myself <laughs> run wild. I'm just very much like, you know, if you want to do something and it's not hurting anybody else, just do it. Something brings you joy, mm. just go for it. And when yes. I do so, anything, if I commit to doing something, I'm going to do it yeah. 110%. And I I just have to do it.
0: <laughs> and you've garnered this amazing following on Instagram, on your account, Not Another Jungle. Was that kind of like, Not Another Jungle? Or was it <laughs> really what was, the, I, was. What was the tone of that name? <laughs> it
1: has It has multiple meanings. So when I first found that people had plant accounts, I was like, what? This is a thing? And I thought... Okay, I'll set up a page I've got this place now I'm going to be able to grow plants I also have a lot more time Because I couldn't work Because of COVID So I just thought Oh, let's be a bit ironic And just a bit fun When I realised how many Plant accounts there were I was like Let's call it Not Another Jungle Like, oh God Not Another Jungle (laughs) Not Another Plant Page Um, My friend also has a salon Called Not Another Salon And her whole ethos Is that she's just doing things Really differently And I think because I learned to garden outside first, I do look at things very differently when it comes to indoor plant care. And I really do see indoor plants as a garden. Um, So I, I just wanted my opinion to be not like others.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. I think that outside approach, bringing that inside does bring a different perspective. Can you talk a bit more about that in terms of how that plays out in terms of things like pests and watering?
1: Yeah, so, well, first of all, when it comes to actually choosing the plants, I'm a lot more aware. I think outdoor gardeners will say, okay, I have this soil, I have this light, this aspect, um, and this is what I want to achieve. So therefore, I'm going to go and look for this kind of plant. Whereas indoor gardeners see a plant that they like, (laughs) and they try and make it work in their home. We all do it, I still do it. But I'm a bit more aware of that. So I'm definitely more aware of, what conditions I have in my house and which plants I can grow successfully. When it comes to pests, I'm really relaxed about pests. I know pests are such a huge cause of stress to a lot of people, but I have pests in my collection. I will always have pests in my collection. And I'm really just about managing them. In the garden, you never, ever seek to exterminate things. Now, you, you obviously do have predatory insects out there. And there's a bit more of an ecosystem. But if I can just act as that predatory beetle, (laughs) I don't dress up, but (laughs) (laughs) but if I can just act like that, (laughs) just my hands in the air (laughs) and my antenna. Um, But if I can just act as that predatory insect and keep the numbers at a good, healthy level where the plants can still thrive, my plants thrive, And I have pests. I have thrips, which send shivers of people. But it's really, for me, not about exterminating them because trying to get to that is almost impossible, if not impossible, with such a big collection. So you're just going to give yourself stress. And one thing I do not need with plants is stress. That's my escape from stress. (laughs) <laughs> how true
0: how true yeah i think that that is a real issue with people especially i think people who've come to plants um afresh and they're just panicking about yeah. uh or a single pest or it may not even be a pest it may be a springtail or it may be uh, you know a centipede or something yeah. which you know is gonna be there there's gonna be I mean, I I always give the example of, you know, you realise you've got mites living on your face. (laughs) But, you know, that thing, that's something worth bearing in mind.
1: You look closely at your pot, no matter what medium you use, Mm. and there's going to be some form of life in there. And it's so important, again, this is from outside, it's so important to nurture that ecosystem in the the pot because, Mm. you know, it helps the soil structure. It helps Mm. roots absorb nutrients. And you know, repeated pesticide use, whether that be natural or synthetic, is not only killing the pests, but it's killing the ecosystem in your pot, which is eventually going to have a detrimental effect on your plant overall.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're Mr Arroyd. uh <laughs> You have a greenhouse in your house. In, in this new house, you have a greenhouse kind of in your house. You'll um, <laughs> we'll go and look at But if people, I mean, lots of people are putting in ikea cabinets and things mm. but for those of us who don't aren't at that stage yet or don't have the room or the inclination for that what are the aroids that really will do well in i want to say in, that's a very difficult thing to describe
1: an average home but <laughs> what just what are the real toughies that we can rely on to to do well so you know the majority of aroids even the things i have in the greenhouse could be acclimated to grow in the home they're not going to grow as as fast or as big or as reliably and you might get some more problems you might have to manage watering a little bit more but they, they really can be acclimated to most i say average houses but some houses have 30 percent humidity and some have 70 some have a lot of light and some have none so there's two avenues you can go down you either choose a plant that you like and then you create the conditions it's going to thrive in so you can give it artificial light if you have to. You can give it more humidity if you have to. Or you figure out the kind of space and conditions you can offer and find plants to fit that. So there's two different ways you can go about it. And, you know, neither is right or wrong. But I think it's just really important to find out what your plant needs and make sure you're given it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good perspective. And otherwise we give ourselves a world of
1: pain, don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> just... just the amount of people i was in the garden center the other day and people were looking at alocasia zebrina one of my absolute favorite plants and they were sort of they were looking and they were really admiring it because it's spectacular and like oh sh- should we buy that should we not and oh i don't know if it's going to so i just i just stepped in and i said oh if you if you need you know some help i can i can help you on this first of all it needs a lot of light and i said what other plants do you have Well, we have you know, this Monstera. And I said, it needs at least twice the amount of light, Mm -hmm. if not three times what you're given the Monstera. doesn't. So she she then went to put it down. I said, it doesn't mean you can't have it. Mm -hmm. You can get a cheap bulb from online, put it into one of your light fittings and put it on a timer for 12 to 16 hours a day. Then you can have that plant. And she was like, oh my God, I didn't think about that. (laughs) Like that you can actually change the... You know the atmosphere in your house, and you can grow anything you want.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a really good point, and it doesn't take much to. But light is so crucial, isn't it? I mean, so crucial. It's amazing. Whenever I have a problem with a plant, now I've I've kind of finally realised that mostly the problem is it's not getting enough light, and things that I've kind of been really miserable, and I've moved them somewhere brighter, have just immediately sparked into life.
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem is overwatering, right? but it's it's sort of not it's that the plant's not getting enough light so it's not using enough it's very diff. if you had a plant in the right amount of light Mm. it's very difficult to overwater it
0: yeah that's very true i think it's that thing of what's that law there's a law about this do this in rhs level two i can't think what the law is called but it's basically you know all of these different factors with plants light moisture they're all kind of temperature they're all kind of linked together but whichever one is the I'm gonna to have to look this up after the interview. Whichever one is the least is the one that's limited the law of limiting factors. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I'm sure it is. You know, yeah. and it, and it's that sense of, okay, well, yeah, you're you're doing great, you're fertilising it, you're you're, you know, getting the watering roughly right, but actually there's just not enough light, so it's never gonna get that. Yeah, l- it's,
1: never its, it's never gonna reach its potential. never gonna
0: reach its um, potential. but yeah, I think that's the trouble, is that we Lots of modern homes don't have that much yeah. light. No. Yeah. But you can fix that with lots of modern bulbs yeah. and things. It just depends whether you want to invest in that kind of in that kind of technology or whether you want to have the... Well, whether you want to, How you want your home to look and the aesthetic you're trying to create. That, no, that's
1: absolutely it. And it's not necessarily about just finding a, a spot with the maximum amount mm. of light. So I've just moved into this house, this, this new place, and... In my other house it was north facing but it had big windows so it gave me a lot of really lovely diffuse light and the plants thrived. Here it's southwest facing. So you'd think perfect it's getting lots of light. Absolutely not. I'm really struggling and having to adapt my planting and placement of plants mm. because they're getting too much light, too much direct, intense light that they mm. they can't cope with because they're not used to it.
0: Yeah. Do you use a light meter or you just use your eyes? Do you ever get into the light meter territory?
1: I've just bought a light meter. Yeah. And that actually was about the greenhouse. Mm. And it was just to figure out, not necessarily light levels, looking at numbers, just but just figuring out which parts were getting... The light from the panels that I was putting in, mm-hmm. and which ones weren't. It was very sort of basic, like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've got one, but I don't normally. I can just, you know, I can just, just use my own eyes. My eyes are light meters. Is the way I think about it. Yeah. Like I can tell from I'm just looking at something what's going on. I mean, we'll get it out occasionally just to prove something, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, I find that it's just a visual thing as opposed to anything else. Uh, Okay, I want to know about your love of aroids. What is it? You've obviously... All kids were a previous obsession, but now it's aroids. What is it that kind of draws you in? Is it? Is there something about the thrill of the rarity that's making you like? I've got this card that no one else has got. <laughs> or is it? Is it, is it something intrinsic that you're kind of like? I mean, I'm just as somebody who who kind of like likes Arold, but isn't? Don't feel
1: so passionate about we're them. going like, to change that I, I want that.
0: an insight I trust want an ins-
1: me you're leaving you're leaving <laughs> as well, an aroid
0: I bought you a nice aroid so you know I feel like I'm I, I'm part of the aroid club you know I bought you, <laughs> you a nice big tie cutting so I'm you know that's all good <laughs> but um I don't know they don't spark the same amount of joy that other things do for me personally but what is yeah. it about aroids for you that really
1: there's several things definitely there's so many things in fact I love the way a lot of them grow. I love the way, for instance, alocasia and anthurium. I love how the leaves change and evolve from when they first emerge. So the anthurium starts so small and they change colour completely and they're glossy and gorgeous and then they just expand exponentially into something which looks completely different. The alocasia, the way they... You know, the, the volume of them and the size of that they can achieve. The other thing is definitely the feel they give. I love that jungle feel. I like to feel immersed in my plants. You can grow them up a height, so you have to go under them, in the kitchen. I have them so you have to walk through them and brush against them. And they can withstand a bit of a battering of me, you know, clunking through or stumbling through after too many drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't mind it. They don't mind it at all. And, and also just their availability. The majority of stuff in the house Is from you know, Facebook marketplace Garden centres Cuttings from people They're really available And will thrive in your home I'm really not looking to have anything in the house That doesn't do well Because it just becomes a pain I don't want to look at a plant That isn't doing well yeah. I want to look at plants in all their glory And then the last bit about rarity You're so right <laughs> You're so right. I <laughs> I do love unusual different things because sometimes I get bored of seeing things, especially with online. There's been plants that you know, yesterday I looked I was at RHS Wisley yesterday and they had a Milana cries in there. And my eyes just Oh, that were just really huge, big one. Huge. Yeah. Just you know, so towering cool. on the rock. It's incredible. Um And I didn't like melanocrysum really because I'm sick of seeing it online. Mm. But when you see something like that, that sparks my interest. So my... There's two bits. Rarity and growing them like no one else does. Whether that be in a different way or bigger or, you know, training them a different way. I also... My main passion in plants is propagation. And aroids I find incredibly easy to propagate. Um... I love experimenting with them. And I also love the fact that I can grow them in a greenhouse, which is hot and humid. So I can just escape into that environment. You're just,
0: it's, uh, you're just addicted to that warm fog, aren't I
1: you? I it's, absolutely it's nice, am. Absolutely
0: am. That's really interesting. That's a very good point. I remember whenever I go into a greenhouse like that, I have that same sort of endorphin release of like, ah, yeah. oh, it feel so good. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. Well, let's go and have a look. I'm, I think we should go and have <laughs> a look go. at things now. I'm just going to keep recording and we'll head Great. down to your kitchen and have a look at some stuff that people will have seen uh, in, on your Instagram that we can um, enjoy. You are out in the countryside here. I was slightly worried as I was driving along, I was thinking, wow, I, I hope I haven't gone really wrong here <laughs> as I drove down this little, very, little very track. little track, but it's great. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I, I knew after. Living in a flat with no garden and lots of neighbours and lots of noise in the city that I just had to be in the middle of nowhere, I have no neighbours here and it's just, just fields and wildlife and I'm you know, really privileged that I get to actually have an outside garden now which I've just you know spent the last few months building, putting in all the raised beds and borders and growing vegetables and yeah. basically expanding my obsession with plants.
0: It's only going to get worse from here, Tony, that's okay, the trouble. <laughs> So this is a converted barn. So you've got these lovely big beams to hang things from, which you've taken full advantage of. <laughs> um, I'm glad to see that you've got some ripsalis, or is that Lepismium over there? I can't see. There's too many plants for me. To see. But it, tell me about some of the things in here that... Um, I mean, obviously, you've got the classic Swiss cheese plant.
1: Yeah, is... and Monstera Deliciosa, which, I mean, you can see the lower leaves are, are damaged from the move. But... It is loving life in here. Um, it took a while to find the right spot for it. Mm. It was over at the back there. It was close at the window. It was too much light. So it's very much a sort of Goldilocks of let's just move mm. it, look at the leaves, look at how the plant's reacting. And right here, it's put out like five new leaves in the last few weeks. So it's really thriving.
0: And what I love looking at this is one of the things that often annoys me when you see... Uh, Pictures of uh, this plant is that like the underestimation of the length of the aerial roots. Like the aerial right. roots are just ridiculous, aren't they? <laughs> What's they're about really a are. meter long? Um, yeah. But that's a feature of the plant, obviously, and it, it's its way of kind of anchoring itself as it. So
1: growth? interestingly, these have only appeared in the last two months. All of this growth is two months. It's crazy.
0: That's well over a meter long. Yeah. It's... and they're
1: they're all over the floor. They're growing all over yeah. the floor as well. Um, Possibly because we moved so much. So the planet is like, I'm being moved... (laughs) The wind is shaking me. I need to anchor myself yeah, that's to the ground. Probably true. But you know, the more roots, the more nutrients it's going to take up. The bigger the plant's going to get. So it's not. Well, about
0: it, it. it can probably it can probably dig into that bit of um, that pot now. I would say that's probably long enough to actually just uh, yes. bury itself. It's desperate
1: for a repot. I mean, it's
0: literally. <laughs> so I was going to say that so that is. I, I yeah, I'm no shade here, but like, yeah, that does need repotting. <laughs> but given the size of the, I mean, that's uh, taller than me. And the size of that pot, yeah. But I dread doing that because that's a stressful thing. I yeah. give myself a hernia trying to get them out of the pot and yeah. it's
1: stressful. I'll probably stressful. leave that for another year or so, I think. Yeah. I just, they're fine. They're, they're, you know, a lot of these are so epiphytic, it's just somewhere for them to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, apply them with fertiliser and that's all they need. Yeah,
0: yeah. Tell me about the Tradescantia, this giant waterfall. It's one of my absolute favourites. I
1: love, love, love this plant. It's actually had a really good haircut since moving.
0: I was going to say, do you find that... It's shorter here. Because I find when you get... I mean, I've got nothing that big, but when you get plants that have got established like that, you get this kind of like crispy underbelly that just kind of like... (laughs) If you give it a shake, you're always going to find some some dead leaves, which is Absolutely. is the maintenance part, isn't it? Keeping that in. Tr-
1: it is. I mean, my, the place I'm hanging it from here isn't as high as the last house. The last place this was ten foot drop. Mm. Um, but this chalice Scandia is really special to me because I grew this from absolute scratch. I found a tiny little cutting, like yeah, you know, it's like that yeah. on the street in London, fallen out of someone's window. I think. So I picked it up and I propagated it until I had enough to put into a tiny hanging basket. It's literally. I was
0: going to say, are there. you ever? Have you ever going to repot that, or is that There's just? There's no soil in there
1: it now. It's it's it, literally just root. Yeah. It hasn't been repotted in four years, and it started off when these went in. These were cuttings that went in there, mm, mm. and again, I just. I fertilise it and when someone isn't coming to look around it's usually got a a plastic bottle on the top with a tiny hole in so it just drips fertiliser down through it and I mean it's happy
0: I think with Transcanti (laughs) you can just mess I mean every time I've killed one I've killed a few little ones um, the little um uh, Pink Panther, one, whatever that's called. It's always because I've fiddled around with it too much. Yeah. Like I've repotted it, and then it, they just don't. They like, as you say, they like to just kind of be left alone to do their I love thing. Love to dry out
1: between watering.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: I actually usually leave it until it's visibly needing a drink. Mm. I do that with most of the plants. Mm. Wait until the leaves are telling you they're thirsty, and then there's no yeah. chance of overwatering. It also just allows some oxygen to get through the soil as well, mm. rather than being saturated with water all the time. So, yeah, that's, that is ab- one of my absolute favourites and a real favourite of a lot of people because it converts people to traviscantia. Yeah. Because I think people are used to seeing just those sort of whippy little bits. Yeah. When you grow it and you're quite harsh with it and just keep cutting it hard back, mm. it mm. thickens up like this. And
0: it's like topiary, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's like it's so intense.
1: People think there's something inside there. Yeah, there's a pole or just something.
0: Hanging. No, it's just the sheer... Volume of foliage, which is great. Um, I'm going to come around the other side here. <laughs> um, Just walk through. I, now, sure what ever. is this? What is, is this? Ripsal? Ripsalus? Ripsalus. Um,
1: and I cannot remember. Is it
0: bacchifera No.
1: I think it might be actually.
0: I think uh, it that oftentimes with plant names something just pops into my head and more often than not it's right it's just my it database it, brain <laughs> that usually gives me something I'm, i might be wrong about that but it's got these lovely you can see why it's called the mistletoe cactus yeah. with these little um little white berries, little, berries. berries. Of yeah.
1: sticky seeds yeah um and i suppose you know it it um, procreates in the same way as mistletoe
0: yeah exactly the seeds
1: get stuck to a tree and then yeah. it just anchors itself in there and grows But this is, I mean, it's so much bang for your buck because it has never, since I got this like two years ago, it has never not either had berries or flowers. Yeah. So not only is it a beautiful plant, but it just gives you that extra interest. I'm yet to try and propagate this, but I really want Mm. to try and grow them from seed. Yeah, I've, I've taken cuttings, but I haven't grown. Yeah, that's feet.
0: interesting, isn't it? Presumably, you would like smear it on a bit of soil and I'm then smear it on a bit of wood. Yeah, in the
1: greenhouse
0: yeah. and see that if it sh- just tries to anchor. You, maybe, it, maybe it's it is exactly the same as uh, a natural mistletoe. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful. I love ripsalus. I think they're just oh, so amazing.
1: Goodness. This um, one is called Tina. Tina Turner.
0: <laughs> I can see. that I
1: don't name my plants. I can there see that names. Yeah, and that one is Bob. Bob Marley.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: You see that? I can
0: see that completely. I <laughs> that can... one doesn't have a name. <laughs>
1: no, I, I don't name my plants, but comedy. comedy. usually after a few drinks, uh, it, gets, <laughs> it gets put on a head.
0: <laughs> now, tell me about your pots. You've got the bigger plants, of the floor plot plants, you've got some yeah. lovely pots. Are they anything particular, from anywhere particular? Mm. So,
1: <laughs> the vast majority of my pots are waste paper bins. I so love that. that over there, yes. one pound from Ikea. All of those, the majority of all my plants are in black plastic. That's such a bin. good tip. And these ones I got a couple of days ago. These are from b 2 pounds. If it. that was sold as a plant pot, ten oh, yeah.
0: pounds. Yeah, totally.
1: And they're just great. You know, they're light, they're really durable. Mm. And for me, I have a couple of... Sort of nicer pots, but for me, it's about the plants. I want the pots yeah. to sort of disappear, and yeah. black really sets things off. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. yeah. The That's bigger the thing. things
1: are direct into big pots with no drainage, I just whack them straight in there.
0: Well, it's looking good on it, I have to say. Oh. I always forget the name of this. Is this, is this, um, Sheffler what it, Sheffler, is this? Amate, or is it?
1: That's a question. I don't know, and I'll tell you why. This came from an office. Oh, really? I have no history on it. It was in a right, sorry state. Um, And actually, it really hated my last house. Mm. And I was actually going to leave this behind because it was looking so terrible. And in a couple of months, it's put out all that new growth from there. Yeah. And then I also chopped it and stuck some in the bottom to thicken it up. And that's taken and is growing as well. So I'm so glad I didn't leave
0: it. Behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's yeah. really lovely, and they're such they're such nice floor specimens. I think they make a, they make a beautiful display. So, and I love also that you. I know you've talked about this on your Instagram, grouping things together. So you've just got this yeah. crate, wooden crate here with stuff. Because you're right. We were talking earlier before we started actually doing the interview about the perils of small plants <laughs> and why actually they're a lot harder to keep alive. But this is quite clever in that you've got everything going in together. I'm making a little sort of microclimate.
1: That's it, yeah. I, you know, going back to outdoor gardening, you wouldn't just put a pot or plant in the middle of a border on its own. They look after each other and they create a little microclimate. It's easier for you to look after as well because they're all together. You can just water them all in one go. And I also just visually like plants together, like, you know, in the corner over there, all those calathea, I call that calathea corner. They just... They really help each other to thrive, but also they just set each other off and they Mm. look really great Mm. together.
0: Well, I think that, that does look fantastic over there, all your various calatheas. I see you have a, a less variegated. I have a terrible tie. <laughs> well, I've now given you a much superior tie. I, know, I time, can't wait <laughs> to draw that. Which I was quite happy to offload because it's been annoying my family in front of the TV for too long. So I'm quite happy to um, have given that to you to take care of. And I look forward to seeing it go absolutely nuts in I here. I
1: can't wait. <laughs> I mean, this, it's really weird because I mean, that window's west. And it's tucked back here. Yeah. And it hadn't given me a new leaf for eight months before I moved here. Yeah. Stuck it there in the corner in the shade. And it's put this big yeah. leaf out, it's, which is sort of double or triple the size of the I think
0: they the get to a certain ones. size and then they really start ramping it up with yeah. the leaf size. And then you really are looking at the leaves getting substantially bigger, which is what's happened to mine. But, I mean, my, my thing with those is just... If it is, like, hack, hack away. I've had so much <laughs> success from hacking them back. Yeah. If you... Like, my house is not that big, and I just find that hacking them, A, I can give people lovely cuttings, but also, they just come back better than ever, yeah. so... And I'm, um, I'm,
1: I am ruthless with all plants. I'm really ruthless with chopping back. If something's not yeah. looking right, cut it back and start again.
0: Yeah, exactly. And if it dies, it probably won't die, but if it does, I oh, probably, well. Probably, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you've you've got. um, I mean, you can walk through here, but it is quite crowded. Tony, is it going to get more crowded? Are there more things on the horizon? Of course, it's
1: not. (laughs) 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 Um, I'm sort of nodding while I say that. So, I like to be able to get through and move around and enjoy the space. So, and I'm a little OCD when it comes to lots and lots and lots of pots. I don't like to see lots of little pots around. What I will say is, like, in parts of, like, the borders, as I call them, like, there are gaps. So in Calathea corner over there, there's a little gap down there. That's going to take probably another Calathea down there, maybe one in the corner. But it's not sort of... It's not going to intrude any more on the space. Mm. But I do like to just pack plants type together, like you've got these aglaonema different back here in this corner. And they just look really nice grouped together.
0: That is a really nice grouping, actually. I do... I, I kind of slightly... Back here, I've <laughs> kind of fallen out of love with in that they're so much less happy in my house than Agonema. But they are beautiful. And especially now, all the new cultivars coming out, there are some amazing, yeah, some really, really pretty, good. really, really pretty
1: People ask me the names of these, but in every garden centre, depending on which growers it came from, yeah, they have different they'll names. They'll be different. <laughs> so, oh, <yeah. laughs> um, yeah. and, and then this, um, Rophilophora tetrasperma here, you can actually see where it, where it moved into this house. So all of this new growth with the big, more mature leaves is mm. when I moved it here, because where I used to have it, it was really, really, really shaded. But it's um, it's really enjoying it there. I'm going to give it i cho- I'm going to chop that big one right back, propagate mm. it, put it in a bigger... I package, think, thicken it for up.
0: me, that is the Aroid. like if you, I'm going to recommend an Aroid to somebody, it's that, because it's just so easy and it's not... gorgeous gorgeous. Yeah, and well. uh, if it does get too big, you can just hack away. And it's... And,
1: people are always delighted with the cutting of a philophorex yeah exposure.
0: definitely I think it's a uh, I, I just have great joy of whenever it gets in the way just hacking away at it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's a reason. fun there's a reason that these aroids are really you know in commercial cultivation the common mm. ones it's because they're the best or some of yeah. the best they were chosen yeah. and people invested a lot of money in them to um, you know to make them available to everyone
0: yeah and you're. This is ridiculous. Oh, this is Lord. ridiculous. Yes,
1: Look at the size of the pot. though. Oh,
0: the size poor of the pot. Thing. It's poor thing. Look at it. The roots <laughs> are going to just be going nuts in there. Oh, this is are. a huge. Is this which which? Um, this is allocation, allocation
1: macariza. Okay. Um, elephant
0: ear, I suppose. Yeah, is I mean,
1: I, sh- I showed people online why it's called elephant ear when you. Yes, you, shake you can. It like yeah, that, I
0: saw that. It's like an
1: elephant walking, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: And this is really thriving. So at first, it because it gets a lot of light here. Um, yeah. Most of the day, it's direct light here. I'm actually using this now to create shade for the different back here underneath.
0: <laughs> you, you basically got a forest canopy going exactly. on here, Tony. Um,
1: and <laughs> why uh, pseudo sort of helps block yeah. some of the light coming into the house. But the great thing about Allocation macarisa is that it will grow in direct sun. You know, Mm. you see them in Mm. the tropics growing in direct sun. I just had to basically gradually move this forward into the sun to get it used to it. And now it is. I mean, it's put out three new leaves in the last two, two months. There's that one, that one, and maybe this one, I think. Yeah. So it's loving life now.
0: Yeah, it's Allocasia
1: looking amazing. A massive, I'm a massive alocasia fan, and they just seem to grow well for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, they are it's Wenteia, beautiful. It's, just gorgeous. it's the leaves are amazing, and I also actually also just really like these,
1: as my children would say, chunk stems. They're just oh, so cool. huge, and like they have just such a nice like powdery texture yeah. as well. And the ribs, like the ribs on the leaves here, are yeah. just, they're just phenomenal.
0: Is that a little bit of damage there, or is that, presumably that's damage rather than... Really
1: strange, So obviously it's not fenestration. Yeah. Can you imagine that's if what, I found that, the that world's be, first yeah, fenestrated would be
0: allocation?
1: <laughs> Love that. Um, it looks it's like really it's been folded. like when it was folded, it's got damage somehow, because you can see the kind of... So I'll tell you what I think it was. I did a little post a while ago about... Um, leaving your leaves alone when they're emerging. Mm.
0: Oh, people fiddling with leaves.
1: Um and I was filming this leaf emerging. Yeah. And I and You
0: fiddled I, with it. You
1: know, I, <laughs> I banged my phone into it cuz I was oh, getting really close. Okay. So I think that's possibly what it was or maybe it got a bit damaged in the process. See
0: petrol. folks, don't damage your don't don't fiddle around with your leaves. People are terrible for like getting things. Tweezers, just, cotton, just, wood, just yes. Just leave I mean, get I'm a water. fiddler. I'm a fiddler, but yeah. I do not do that because it's just a recipe. Stuck,
1: just give it a good soak. Yeah, and it will pop out within a few hours yeah. on its own.
0: Exactly. I mean, like nobody in nature is like using tweezers <laughs> on to get plants. Can you imagine just
1: the monkeys sat there like?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do that. You know what, I am feeling slightly satisfied by the fact that my Pilea libanensis is bigger than yours. That's the only plant <laughs> I've got that's bigger than yours.
1: Yeah. Well, that only arrived three months ago, okay. so let's check back. Oh, and, yeah, okay. That's you you, you want to play, yeah. do
0: you? You want to play? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Actually, I have to say, Lepismium Bolivianum. Mine's also slightly bigger than that as well. Just, I'm just, just, I mean, not the size is everything, Tony, but I just want so to say that because I'm feeling so, so attacked by your allocations <laughs> and their massive size, I have to try to, you know, get one back. Get on. One. Back. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is desperate. I mean, feel how light. Yeah, that pot I,
0: is. these are I really mean, thirsty. It's not been these are that. so thirsty. I find they really do. all, all those forest cacti, I find drink enormous
1: amounts yeah. of water it needs a repot it's been in that pot since i got it when it was sort of yeah, a yeah. lot smaller and um, and it's only recently it's this year i started putting out some new growth so
0: it's a really cool plant it as you say it's like it is like hair these are just my f- absolute favorite oh. so i'm yeah i'm living oh, no. for that we're coming through this is this is the sound of me moving through the jungle as you <laughs> <laughs> and i must just mention this um is this Escananthus... um Black pagoda.
1: I don't know the variety, but it is. Well,
0: um, I, I maybe it's not black pagoda because mine isn't. Well, I say mine is like nothing is like and I would variegated
1: eschianthus. Well, eschianthus
0: is, Eskinanthus. is I, well. I think because you look at the word and it's just a, a, an alphabet just, salad, isn't it? You don't even know. But I think. I asked somebody when I was at the Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh where they have the National Collection, which unfortunately I didn't get to see, but I think it's Escananthus. But Escananthus. I mean, my attitude to pronunciation is probably the same as yours. Is like, just whatever works, like if you can get yeah. understood, because when you start to speak to German people or French people or South American people um, about a plant, they... Yeah. Even though you're using the Latin and you're using the same word, they will pronounce pronouns, it yeah. totally differently, and it's all good. And
1: you know there is no right and wrong because botanical Latin like, isn't the, the real Romans aren't around language. anymore.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's and it's not all Latin anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's such a mixture. Yeah. I mean,
1: but I, I do love it. It's, fun. It's, fun. it's beautiful. Especially when the light shines through and you yeah. see the back of the leaves. It's it's,
0: it's really amazing. nice.
1: It's, that it's is happy. See,
0: it's I think this is your. I think this should be your. um uh, your gateway plant into growing more gesneriads. I know you have got some streptocarpus, but I feel like there's more gesneriads you need to get into. I don't see. an am sure I will. An, an, an apicia hanging up here would look amazing.
1: Okay, let's do it. Well, <laughs> That's, I'm
0: telling you, that, that I'm just, the, so, I'm that hashtag just saying. <laughs> that
1: is the level of, of negotiation. Well, you mine... You should do this, okay, I need that one, okay, yeah, let's well, get Well, mine
0: grows in a pot with no drainage, so, like, it's ideal for you. It would work great, and, yeah. I mean, but then it does have flowers on it. I don't, well, you do have flowers on your
1: forest cacti, obviously, but... Um, yeah, and the transgantia flower. Yeah, and, and your begonias. begonias. I love yeah. begonia flowers. I'm not a massive... Um, bright colour like mm. I hate hate to see bromeliads in pots <laughs> I, I love bromeliads on but logs not, and, but yeah, a, not a you know you know sickly green mm. with that bright red
0: I'm hearing mm, you no. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you well, let's head out to the greenhouse, shall Ooh, we? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's let's go and it. explore that. I mean, I'm just there's so many we could we could literally be here all
1: day. This, though, this is one of my big success stories and something it's probably in the top 5 of my favorite plants.
0: I can see you've got lots of nice new growth. Is this yeah. cell is this or is it? Well, this is
1: the matiphyllum by pinnatifidum. It's been uh, yeah, yeah.
0: D- Don't get me started on this. I did a column recently on um, uh, which plant was it in this genus, one of the plants in this genus, and the stress that the people on the magazine and the RHS oh, yeah. had trying to decide. I'm like, no, it really should be thaumatophyllum And that... We, we had a, we had a big to and fro about it and I d- can't remember what the final conclusion was but yeah
1: there's aroids, which is a huge problem and then the philodendron waterbrexiae or flavum, or you know it as salam gold
0: right yeah that
1: you've oh xanadu gold xanadu gold that's yeah. right yeah there's just an endless but at the moment it's the magnifying I just love the new leaves
0: they're great and it's
1: um, it's it loves this was rescue I got this from someone when the leaves were like this big mm. and it was covered in thrips to the point it was really affecting the plant. Mm. Um, and I just love seeing it um seeing it really thrive.
0: And There's something about the the leaves on this and also the the large alocasias. It almost looks like it's kind of like stretched um do you know what I mean? Like I can't like explain stretch marks. it very much. No not stretch marks, no like it's like a piece of it almost doesn't look real because it's—it's it's like the. I can't explain it very well. It almost looks like car upholstery on a leather upholstered car without that's been pulled too that's, tight. That's kind of like stretched,
1: and it just—it <laughs> just, it just looks so amazing. I think because they grow so rapidly. Same with algae. Yeah. probably probably yeah. something like that. But yeah, it's uh, definitely one of my favourites, and um, really, really enjoying its new spot on yeah. the counter. And one of the plans that actually. Um, that's in a bin as well as like a small bin which I just dumped just like a couple of days ago I, I dumped that bin into a bigger pot I
0: think that is the best tip ever I just, yeah. I mean I think yeah. people spend so much yeah. money on I mean, I you know, I'm all up for artisanal pot makers and supporting those people but I'm also up for having my plants in pots because I can't afford to have everything in an artisanal pot so yeah. if I can get a waste paper bin great
1: yeah and if it's you do like drainage just stick some balls in
0: the bottom. yeah exactly
1: i think it's going to be hot in here because the
0: yeah i mean we could we could spend another hour talking about your beautiful vegetable patch and beautiful garden i mean this is like something at hampton court or something i mean when are you coming to <laughs> hampton court or chelsea to design
1: a uh, Come on, Am well, I
0: getting an exclusive so here?
1: You might get an exclusive. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, I, I'm really inspired by the show gardens, but there's definitely a lack of indoor plants. Yeah. I would love to join a brand and create a show garden that was the interior of a house, but really filled with plants, not just a couple mm-hmm. of plants here and there that I have seen before. But really fill it and the marker really is laid down
0: anyone who there wants to <laughs> come
1: sponsor me
0: yeah and we'll do it i think that'll be amazing well we're, <laughs> we're here in we have experiencing the warm fog that we were talking about yeah, earlier that heat so nice this is kind of set into i don't know what this was originally a, a, a niche in the side of your house
1: yeah so this was part of the old barn so this was uh so this was used to store grain and and hay and what have you and then this was oh that was the swallows the swallows are nesting yeah i can see you've
0: got a a deposit up there i mean (laughs) great source of fertilizer if you wish to do so (laughs) Um,
1: so yeah this was the old barn it should be a garage it's open fronted so you get some of the south facing light coming in i wanted to have a greenhouse outside but controlling the temperature with the greenhouse completely outside was just impossible in our winters so decided to put it inside, and this is what I've created.
0: And what is the construction of this? You've got a wooden frame, and yep. then what's um, and the plastic? that's twin
1: wall polycarbonate, which is a lot more um, thermally insulating than glass. Yep. And on the outside, I've left sort of structures on the outside, which protects it from the heat and humidity. But also allows me during the winter to probably fill that with some insulation. I'll okay. probably put some sheep's wool insulation onto the roof mm. and possibly some uh, foil on the outside of that, just to really help keep the temperature stable in here.
0: Well, it's you've got more space than you had in your old greenhouse, I would imagine. Yeah, just a bit four times, four or five times <laughs> okay. bigger. Okay. So, the, so people won't have seen this when they saw you on garden as well if they did no. see that so this is the new setup presumably i mean like there's space here tony what's happening you haven't filled it yet
1: <laughs> i know so i mean a lot of the plants a lot of the plants in here are not looking their best and a lot of them have already chopped right back you'll see a lot of empty moss poles because i basically kept my old place and moved here and there's two months where the greenhouse was up in my old place and i could only visit once a week yeah. And with that, you know, the heating was on and off, lights weren't working properly and I wasn't spotting it. Um, I had a fungal infection breakout because I wasn't in and out with the airflow. And so I decided just to chop a lot back. Um, so there's a lot of the obliqua species, which were just chopped right back all the leaves off. And I'm um, waiting for them. They're actually just starting
0: to I was going to say, this. look like they're starting to reshoot. Um, so
1: this is the kind of... Tell me...
0: Uh, I mean, we'll we'll get into a bit more sort of really geeky stuff in a little bit of <laughs> Patreon <laughs> content. But, I mean, that's the kind of the unicorn that we've all heard about. We've all heard about it's never bleaker. But here we are. It is bleaker. So what's the story behind your getting hold of the oblique?
1: So, actually... They are not the obliqua that everyone knows. The obliqua everyone knows is down below there. That's Monstera obliqua, and that is Peruvian form. So okay. That's down there, and there's, there's, there's quite a few of those dotted around actually. I've mm-hmm. got, because they create runners, have maybe 50 <laughs> runners, um, which is part of my giveaway at the moment. But these here, I um, have around nine different species, or subspecies, or sorry, correct term, complex. Yes. Obliqua. And the majority of them don't fenestrate at all. And the actual original obliqua described had no fenestrations whatsoever. In fact, the one everyone knows as oblique is most likely actually not part of the obliqua family. See, this is where aroid taxonomy is mind-blowing,
0: isn't it? I mean, I think I always sort of laugh when you see these sort of, you know, people selling something like Philodendron. Um, you know, you get philodendron Brazil, and people obviously that's a hederation uh, cultivar. And then there's all these kind of variations on the theme. And it's like yeah. it's just hederation being this weird <laughs> thing of doing lots of different stuff. And this is true. Yeah, this is you true. You can you can tie yourself in knots worrying about getting the latest um, cultivar of that, but actually. It's so, it's just nature being so, variable, um, like we're so variable. Really,
1: really interesting. Obviously, oblica has a huge range across South America. So this is the Bolivian form, which gets yeah. really beautiful, big, sort of teardrop-shaped leaves. Then you have something like Amazonas. That will fenestrate massively and look incredible. The Peruvian form fenestrates. Um, but there's there's Colombian form. There is There are several. I've got three forms from Suriname. There are lots of unknown obliques. <laughs> there's, there's so many It's such a really It's a very complex complex But Monstera are my absolute passion
0: So did it all start off like the woman Who you know swapped the bobby pin And ended up with a house Where you had one You bought one rare thing And then you swapped it for something Or you swapped a bit of that for something else Because I, I don't imagine that You've necessarily um, paid big bucks For all of
1: these No absolutely not it's really strange. A lot of people online look at my collection and they think that I just buy everything, you know. It's, and uh, I mean, that's not a smart way to do, it, and it also takes the joy out of it. I think my, my, you know, the, the, the most wonderful thing for me is swapping with someone, sending them something like this. This I got yesterday from someone. I sent them one of my variegated Adansoniae, they sent me this Oreo one. And, you know, we didn't pay a penny for so it. So what
0: it was, tell me what this is.
1: So that is Monstera adansonia variegata, but this is the aurea, so the oh, yellow form. okay, right. So it starts green, and then the variegation emerges. See, that's
0: blowing my attures. mind, because I'm looking at that and going, mosaic virus, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting cold <laughs> kind of chills.
1: If you think that is mosaic virus, look at Monstera adansonia mint. Oh, no. That has been See, that just gives me the willies. No, yeah, and, and strangely, that is a... Com- all of the Monstera adansonii are very unstable in their variegation. They either mm. go all green or white or, you know, stock Because I,
0: my, I, this is the thing with that adansonii is there seems to be, I, I threw mine away because I was panicking mm. that it had mosaic virus because it started to choke, become mottled. Mm. But now I'm thinking, did it actually have mosaic virus or was it just this mm. tendency to be variable?
1: So, the, the Is the there an answer? There is an answer. Um, there are a couple of different answers. Mm. So there is... Um, there is... <laughs> um, Mosaic virus in Adansonia. Yeah. But the absolute majority that you get are this form of Monstera that we don't actually know is Adansonia. We think it is. But it's not an Adansonii that's known. We think it's actually some sort of tissue culture freak that's happened. There's mm. no... Um, evidence and there's no record of it first being brought into cultivation so we don't really know where it came from or what it really is but that particular plant for some reason is incredibly hungry and it shows signs of that very readily in the leaves so you get Mm. that patination and usually after a good fertiliser and a little bit of extra light it Mm. it recovers Mm. Um, and I know some people do get really scared. The best thing, if you have any worries, just separate it from the rest of your plants. Mm. Um, you know, mosaic actually isn't that easily transmitted between plants. You've really got to be cutting and mm. using the same tools on multiple plants. But if you have any any question, just separate it and mm. figure it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, It's it's an interesting one. I mean, I think I do feel for people trying to get build a collection of aroids because you know there there is there's no i mean i'm old so like i want a book that tells me everything um uh, but (laughs) there's no one source like there's so many different information sources and you must have spent a lot of time doing research and for different sources to get all the information that's now in your head um but and the information's changing all the time as well i think that's the other thing
1: Monstera at the moment is being um, reclassified a lot of Monstera. There are people working out in South America, finding new species, figuring out that what we thought was something isn't that anymore. And I get a lot of questions to ID Monstera because I have done an awful lot of reading on them. But it's actually almost impossible to ID a Monstera unless you have collection data or a plant which is mature, completely mature, which doesn't really happen Mm -hmm. in cultivation, or with an inflorescence. So, it's just one of those mysteries, and I have swapped my way to having 40 different Monstera from at least sort of 30 plus different species. And it's really a key for me to keep a good record, keep them labelled, which I'm in the process of doing. It's all just in my head at the moment. Um, and really only get things that you can trace back where I know 100% that is that species
0: what's the cu- will help Help me out here what's the current thinking with the whole um, Delicio is a large form small form Borsigiana is there any like can we say can we put that to rest now or is it still kind of like it's well still depends up. who you listen it's to it's
1: still up in the air yeah there's a lot of different thoughts on that I mean Borsigiana isn't a recognised name it was just invented but use it if you'd <laughs> like because people know what you're talking about but I'd say the easiest thing is just to do small form and large form right now I've grown both of them in the same situations from nodes and they act completely differently. They fenestrate Mm. in different ways. They grow at a different rate as well, even from nodes which are sort of the same maturity. Mm. So in my eyes, they are two different forms of Deliciosa. Um, But, you know, for instance, um, I have six different forms of Monstera adansonii subspecies laniata. That sounds very specific, but every region has a different version of it. So you know, it's it's not crazy to think that there might be two or even more subspecies <laughs> of deliciosa. Like that was thought as a subspecies of deliciosa at the moment.
0: And what is what what? Uh, I mean, that doesn't look anything like. It's got a really elongated spear-shaped leaf, and yeah. on well, that's starting to fenestrate. Presumably, what's it going gonna... to? What's so that going to do? Is that going to continue? So it does become out
1: round, almost like a large oh. form, but the fenestrations on it are unbelievably spectacular. Okay. So, but it goes through, if you look here, the marks on the leaf, and you see the really mm. pronounced veins, that's where it's going to split. So it turns okay. into almost a trident. Oh, wow. But then it morphs completely differently. Um, so this currently is known, not registered, but known as uh, Monstera Burley Mark Flame. I hate the name it's been given. I think it sounds really cheap and nasty. But <laughs> but it was previously thought of as Sierana. Ciarana is actually a completely different um, plant, and Sierana is also a subspecies of Deliciosa, Okay. But so... has rounded leaves like Deliciosa when it's immature. So it's it's all it's, over a, right. minefield. it's, it's, it's a, a, a minefield. It's a minefield.
0: Walk forward well are there any other plants we should just talk about that you really want to highlight that are particularly
1: special to you or the ones that thrill me the most i mean there are a lot of special plants to me in here because um they're some of the only ones in europe or the world when it comes to species monstera but probably things a lot of people wouldn't get excited about because they have just very plain leaves (laughs) that's an unknown monstera and um really amazing if you look at how velvet. It is. I've, you know, there's not many more But, you
0: know, if, so, if I saw that on a shelf, I would think, oh, that's some kind of, like, you know, Epiprem Noir. I just wouldn't even yeah, think anything like, of that. It's, it's
1: running at the moment. It's because got, Look at that. It got left behind and it's running. Um, but I got it as just a one leaf and I've, I've, I've grown it. But now I can propagate it. Yeah, you can propagate get it all those nodes. And yeah. its leaves will get really big. And if you imagine when they get big, yeah. they have that gorgeous reflective texture. It's going to look spectacular.
0: So you don't. So do we know what what is the name of that current? Current
1: <laughs> is uh, just monstera. <laughs> this week, <laughs> yeah, monstera velvet Peru. We okay. know it came. It was collected in Peru, so we know that we know it's a monstera. Yeah, looks velvet. There we yep. go. <laughs> there you go.
0: That's so bang. bang Peru. It's done.
1: <laughs> um, other things. I mean, you know, I suppose we have to talk about the Rafidophora tetraspem of Aragada because that is just. Uh, that excites me so much you know the rarity but also I love the variegated pattern on this.
0: so is this you know I mean I'm not I mean I'm not as anyone who listens to the show will know I am so not about the price tag on plants but is this something that like you should have like a special insurance for (laughs) is it is this a big a big price tag plant
1: yeah huge price plant um yeah I mean Can I touch it? Of course you can. Touch it. (laughs) It's so (laughs) glorious. See, I look at that. When you say that, I look at that and go,
0: It's okay. I you know, like if I'd give you 50 quid for it, but, I don't, you know, I, yeah. it's it for me. And I suppose that's why, you know, you don't you don't buy a lot of plants just in in the way that you're not spending loads of money on the plants yeah. so You're swapping them. Swapping them so exactly. does the mean the mean the price tag is, is really quite meaningless, isn't it? It's just the fact that I suppose it reflects the fact that the plant is very rare and therefore
1: when people want it,
0: it's desirable. And
1: also there's there's almost an insular part where people will buy it. To, as an investment. If yeah. It, so I have I have customers, several customers buy it, you'll never see it again. It goes into a private collection. They just want plans for themselves. They don't have Instagram, they don't show their plans, mm. they just want to have it because
0: Do you get rare. people like messaging you saying I will pay this like, amount every, for this every plant? Day,
1: every day. Every single day. Someone has to mm. buy this entire plant. Um, which is my mother plant, which I wouldn't sell. Yeah. Um, I grew that from an, a, a, a rotting node, so it's, it's got a bit of a place in my heart. <laughs> but they offered me a lot of... Tens and tens of thousands of pounds for it. Wow. Uh, which I said no to, because it's worth more to me to just have the plant.
0: But, I mean, I, I, I get the sense that you're on the same page as me in that you're not one of these people who wants to keep these plants. Oh, well, let's keep them rare so the price doesn't drop. Like you're often... propagating to make them less rare. Well,
1: that's the thing. Is eventually it will get there. Um, it's gonna the, the price will drop. It, um, it will become more accessible. And this is actually um, out in Europe at the moment, figuring out whether it can be tissue cultured. Mm. Um, so I sent one out out there to a to a company, and they're figuring out whether it can be. Probably not because of the variegation. Right. But it's always worth a shot, and it mm. will make it more readily available to people. But you know, if it, Rifidophora regular is such a popular plant. Mm. When this gets secondary fenestrations, which I've had before, it is unbelievable. It's mm. just stunning, and the variegation improves with with when it grows. Mm. So yeah, that's that's a, that's a really special plant to me. It's the one that got the most press. It was it was all over the world and newspapers and interviews and crazy things. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that I think that is wonderful because it means that the regular press is recognising mm. the importance of plants. Yeah. You know, even if it's a really even if they're publishing it because it's really expensive, at least they're publishing something about plants. Indeed. A few years yeah. ago, they would never have done That's that. That's
0: very true. So are these, are, these, are these propagations of that plant, they or is it
1: something entirely different? No, these are all propagations from it. So I do these from um, single-node cuttings. And a little tip for people is if you don't want to destroy your plant, where any Monstera or Raphidophora this works on, um, root it onto a pole so it gets a lot of roots. And then what I do is I, pro- I don't ever cut the top of my plant. I take it out of its pot, take away the moss, and I cut from the bottom. I take the bottom nodes and then move the plant down and the head cutting then becomes the top of your plant and it's already rooted, so it's just going to carry on. Okay. Right. That's my Well, that my is an tip. interesting
0: tip. That is an interesting <laughs> tip. So <laughs> what are you doing with these? Are you selling these to people who so are... So
1: these have been... Um, all of these have homes already. These are just... Um, people desperately waiting to get Yeah, there was parts. so there was a waiting list um, when I first got it. The, the first batch that went out, there were 10 that went out all over the world. And um, this is the, the second batch of them. Is there
0: anyone like, you know, like I, I'm imagining there's somebody in like their underground lair with their like, <laughs> you know, are there any like super rich, like billionaires who've been like, I must have this plant because it's rare? Like, is that, does that happen? I don't mean, need details, but. No,
1: no, 110%. So the majority of people that, I, that buy these very expensive plants, like I say, they're not, they're not buying them to show off to people. They just want to have them because they enjoy collecting things and mm. collecting plans. Mm. Some people buy them to propagate. Some people buy them for themselves. I had one woman who asked her husband for this instead of an engagement ring. Okay. And she gets more joy out of it, so why okay, not? Okay.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when it dies, I'm not sure what that, exactly. what that says about that. Pressure. Bit of pressure
0: there. <laughs> it's so interesting the different kind of uh, motivations that people have for for wanting plants yeah Um, I mean as I say looking at it objectively I can see I can be like oh my gosh this is like a world famous plant but it it doesn't make me personally go nuts like I, I I I can't but again there might be something else in your collection that is quite a -a workaday thing that I would absolutely fall in love with in fact totally so it's yeah you've got to find what you're
1: into it's so true I mean you know some of the plants that excite me most are the most common I'm a Tradescantia you buy it for a pound and it's (laughs) one of my favourite plants yeah exactly It's, it's a bit of both it's a bit of everything and I don't think you have to narrow yourself into a lane just yeah Get the, don't be influenced by what anyone else is doing just get the plants that you like pay the price for it that it's worth to you and that's it you don't ever have to explain anything that you're doing to anybody else you just do what makes you happy
0: well I think that is a really good note to end on we will, we will Patreon in a moment but I think that is a great m- a message to end on Tony and thank you for showing me around your awesome mahusive plant collection it's, <laughs> it's awesome Thank you so much. Well, wasn't that fun? Thank you so much to Tony La Britton. If you're a Patreon subscriber, stay tuned because I'll be putting out a Patreon special with Tony LeBreton in the next few days. Once I get the chance to get that up on the Patreon site. And if you're wondering about my references to a tie, I gave Tony a cutting of one of my Thai Constellation Monsters because my family were complaining that it was in front of the TV and obscuring their view, and it really needed a chop. So I knew it would have a good home with Tony. So that's where it's gone. Do check out the show notes of pictures from Tony's collection and a picture of me in Tony's collection. And also, if you've not visited his Insta, Not Another Jungle, don't delay, go and check it out. And now it's time for question of the week. And it's come from Marika in the Netherlands and concerns a Hoya pubicalyx. And there is a little bit of an irony in me talking about Hoya because I know that Tony LeBreton is not a great fan of this genus, but as you know, I am. So here's the question. I've got a picture of the plant, and it's a young-ish cutting, I would say, in a nice pot and It's doing that thing that Hoyas do. It's got a long runner, as Marika calls it, with no leaves on it. They're standing straight up, although some days it goes to the side. And at one point, apparently this stem even grabbed onto a lamp. And so the question is, does it need to be supported? Why is it moving? It's like it has a mind of its own, says Marika. Well, Hoyas do this thing and in fact so do lots of plants with a similar growth habit think of it this way because this plant is one that's going to want to climb and scramble and grab onto things and as you know if you felt the stem of a hoya you've got lots of bumps on there which are the very start of aerial roots So the plant is always looking for things to anchor itself on by putting out a bare stem rather than one covered with leaves. It can kind of test the waters, find something to cling on to. And once it's done that, then it tends to decide to put out leaves. Once that security is there, which makes sense. What's the point of putting the energy into new leaves if that stem is going to get left dangling in space or possibly going to be bitten off by an animal? or something like that. So that's why you get these bare stems. And I do find that once you tie in a bare stem, that's often the point that the plant will suddenly start producing leaves. So if your plant is a lot of bare stems right now, do consider tying them down. So whatever support you're using, just get a bit of wire or that plant Velcro stuff you can get or twine, whatever you're using, and attach it to your support. And you should hopefully find that leaves will follow. What you do sometimes also find is that a hoya stem will be produced. And then if conditions aren't quite right, maybe it's a bit too dry. You'll find that one section of that stem may brown off. This is fairly normal. I've had this happen a lot with Hoyas. It just means that the plant isn't quite happy with conditions and it's not going to bother growing that stem any further. It will fall off. You can chop it off if you want to with a pair of clean scissors. And it doesn't mean that stem has finished. The stem will put out a new growth point from that node, the point with a stem of the leaf joins the main stem, it will put out new new growth points from there if given the chance. But if you do get those brown bits, it may be a sign that you need to look at your watering regime and possibly your light regime. I'm finding with a lot of Hoyas that they've gone into growth when I've increased the light. Not to say that you need to put them in blaring full sun but oftentimes it seems to be to me that my hoyas are not in enough light they're not low light plants and so giving them that bit more light might just prompt them into growth and actually I got a follow up message from this listener and I'm pleased to say that the leaves of her pubic calyx have started to grow they been attached onto a bamboo tripod and away they've gone and that's the most exciting bit with plants when they really start to perform. Just a note about pots for Hoyas, lots of people are growing Hoyas right now in clear plastic pots that you traditionally use for orchids and the reason for that is just that you can see the roots. I was asking about this in a Hoya Facebook group recently, and yeah, it just means you get a really good view of the roots and it works really well for other house plants as well. So if you have any clear plastic orchid pots kicking around, do think about using those for your house plants. It's a great way of seeing what's going on with the roots. And you could also use Clear plastic cup with a hole cut in the bottom. If you happen to have some of those lying around, I try to avoid buying new plastic, but if you've already got some, certainly that is a great way to use them to repot your house plants. You get a lovely view of the roots. It also helps you to see what's going on in terms of water saturation, whether the plant needs watering again. It's a lot easier to see whether it's bone dry or moist just through looking at the soil through that plastic it can save you an awful lot of time and mess. Bearing in mind, I'm heading for a hiatus of the show. I've probably got enough questions now to last me until the show comes back in September. So if you've got a question right now about your houseplants and now being July 2021, the best thing you can do is to join our Facebook group, Houseplant Fans of On The Ledge. There's loads of really really clever plant people in there who can help you out. So please do join. It's a really friendly community. You just need to answer all three questions and you will be let into this wonderful community and resource. So hang out there over the summer while I'm gone. I'll be in there as well. So it's a great place to be. That is all for this week's show. I will be back next Friday. Have a fantastic week. And remember these words from the classic film Bugsy Malone. We could have been anything that we wanted to be, and it's not too late to change. Bye! The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by the Joy Drops, The Road We Used to Travel When We Were Young by Komiku, and Namaste by Jason Shaw. The ad music was Whistling Rufus by the Heftone Banjo Orchestra. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit the show notes for details.